The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter and the guest co-host chair for this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions, Sudo Upadeya. Formerly of the Ole Miss Spirit. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Ben, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. What do you got going on right now? Oh, nothing. It's the day off. Uh, you know, you call me, you tell me to come on. I'm always happy to do so. And so thanks for making my day, Benjamin. What's Memphis been like since they beat Ole Miss? Oh, they've been good, man. They've been really good. Granted, they've played Southern University in South Alabama since, but... It's the same thing I said, you know, their defense is carrying them the way they, they handled Ole Miss. They've been doing the same thing with a couple of these lesser opponents. Things get serious, though. They get they got an open date, and then they, they play Navy, who's always a struggle. That, that triple option attack is tough. So that'll be kind of like their first conference test of the season. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see. But their defense is top five in the country right now. So every Ole Miss fan that was, like, feeling down about that loss, 
just realize that this program is just in a different position right now than an Ole Miss for obvious reasons, whether it's NCAA sanctions or whatever. But yeah, don't feel too bad about that loss. You're an Ole Miss grad. You still pay attention to the games. You covered Ole Miss when you worked for the Ole Miss Spirit. Have you been watching the games since they lost to Memphis? Of course, yeah. I have to cover them, so I've been watching them. I missed a bit of the Southeast Louisiana game last week, and then it, it just saw that it got kind of out of hand for a second there. I was I was worried, but I did catch the uh, the second half, the big interception, and then everything else that followed. It's funny, I, I hosted a radio show that morning and was like, I think this is going to be Jerrion Ely's breakout game, and it happened to be his breakout game, so pretty excited about that, man. I've talked to a number of different people involved with the program over the last couple of days, and one recurring theme from each one of those people is that this team, because it's so young, has trouble with self-motivation. It's hard to teach teams how to get up for a team that you're supposed to beat and walk all over, and also when there's nobody in the stands. Not to blame the fans at all. I don't blame them for not being there. I'm more or less saying that this team, like most good teams have to do, they don't know how to self-motivate yet. You can tell. No doubt. Let me ask you this. I know know this is a mailbag edition, but since you obviously cover the ins and outs better than me, were you worried? I mean, I know we've given so much credit to Mike McIntyre for the turnaround he's made, and I, I think he still deserves that. But were you worried with how successful their the Southeast Louisiana offense was? Like, are you worried moving forward? Or is it just what you just said, which is like that motivation aspect? Like, they just kind of were down for that game. No, I think it's concerning. It's obvious that Momo Sonogo is not out there anymore. And the hope yeah. is that you've built enough depth. And I know linebacker's been the area of concern for so long, but. They've recruited well to that position. They've added a lot of different bodies. It shouldn't be so obvious when the best player at that position is removed. Not to say that there shouldn't be a drop-off. There should be. There's a reason why Momo's right. the best player at linebacker. But it shouldn't be so significant that C-Law is able to move it on you like they were able to move it on him. But I will say this. I'm not putting much of any stock at all in the performance against C-Law on either side of the ball. Defensively, regardless, if this is what they get, defensively the rest of the year it's a significant improvement from the previous two years now it's still not great defense but it's a drastic turnaround I think that the problems defensively whatever they end up being whether it's closer to the first two games or Selah they're magnified when your offense is as up and down if we can even call it that that might be too nice as Ole Miss has been so far (laughs) that's something I, I was very intrigued by last week I was like man we we, we were so high on Mike McIntyre the first couple of games. Even the Ole Miss loss, I mean, Ole Miss really held Memphis to, you know, just kind of running the football in those bubble screens that you were like, wow, this is a big improvement from from the last couple of years. And then you, you see Southeast Louisiana do that. Should we be really worried? I mean, I think C-Law's better at stretching the field than at least a few, and I don't want to get into the weeds of it too much, but at least a few of the teams they faced already this year. Because they got a yeah. bunch of transfers, that's what their offense is. They're going to try to get big plays on you. That's the only way they can compete. Not that Selah's complete trash. They're not. They're actually a fairly decent team for their conference. But the one thing they do really, really well, Ole Miss struggled with in the first two games, even when they were limiting those two opponents. So getting big plays and pushing the ball down the field, that's what Selah wants to do, and that's what they did. Uh, I think it's a learning experience for Ole Miss. But I really believe that Cal will be the first time all year because they've got games under their belt, because of the quality of the opponent, but also because Cal's not a particularly good offense, we're going to learn what this defense is all about. Is this defense truly improved? Can they be a defense that carries Ole Miss when its offense isn't clicking? That's going to be the big telltale sign, how they perform against Cal. 
Cal, to me, the only true game that I even focused on or saw or cared about, obviously, was that Washington game just because, you know, they were kind of on my radar. Ole Miss was going to play them and to see them beat a ranked Washington team. I was kind of like, wow, okay. So this team can, can actually compete. But you're right. The offense wasn't particularly exciting in that game. It was a very low-scoring game. It was really Cal's defense that won it. So um, it's going to be intriguing. And what's the feeling like in Oxford for this game? I get the feeling that it's an expectation that they're going to lose, but hope that yeah. they can pull it together and win. I'm fascinated to see what the crowd turns out to be like. It's 11 a.m. Yeah. Ole Miss fans are still not on board, still not coming back in droves. The best crowd they've had was Arkansas, and that was 48,000 yeah. people. It seemed like more. It was a good crowd. I'm not poo-pooing that crowd, but it wasn't right. the crowds we were used to when Ole Miss was really good. And I don't blame fans for staying away. It's still a wait and see. If you beat Cal, I think those wait and see fans come back on board pretty quickly. And yeah. I think that's probably the most important thing from a fan base perspective that's out there right now. Yeah, that it, it is concerning, you know, seeing the the student section, the way it looked for the last game. I know it, historically when you play a team like Southeastern Louisiana, like Ole Miss students, you know how Ole Miss is. Like they're not going to stay the whole game or they're not always going to show up. It doesn't help that they moved the end zones and, Obviously, you can say whatever you want about those tents. I personally don't like that, but seem to keep some people there. But having a ranked opponent in the vault, I, I, hopefully that makes a difference. Hopefully. C-Log games, and I, I know they don't have control over this, but if they could find a way to sway the decision-making process of it, C-Log games need to be at night. Those are For the sure. games when they're not supposed to be particularly competitive. That's how you get butts in the seats. They want to come to Oxford, sit in the Grove, watch games in the Grove, get drunk, go to the game. Then they leave in the third quarter when it's a laugher, and they can go to church on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. How much? How much control would Ole Miss have of that? I guess that's the league, right? And that's TV, all the league. All yeah, and that's the real tragedy of college football these days. Schools have yeah. lost complete power over when their games start. That's really, really tough. Because I mean, you could if you could set it the way you wanted to. I mean, I would always say play play games at the VOD at night. I mean, granted, I know the CBS two thirty is always nice to have, but nighttime at the VOD is it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, well, it's sure. the only true environment for Ole Miss to ensure that your fans are going to be there. And again, this yeah. is no indictment on the fans at all. It seems like over the last couple of years, Ole Miss is always playing in the morning or in the afternoon. Yep. And it has <laughs> to do with true. being a particularly bad team, but still, every game is 11 a.m. or early afternoon. Are you one of those people that believes that, like, I mean, I know it does have an effect to to a certain extent, but do you think it's that big of a deal that Cal, a team from the West Coast, will struggle in an, no. an 11 a.m. Central kick? Uh-uh. No. Me neither. I don't necessarily subscribe to that either. Yeah, they'll get here a day early. They'll adjust. They'll practice maybe at a different time, but they're going to go to bed relatively early, get up early, and then they're going to go play football. Actually, my yeah. long-held belief is that it's a disadvantage for the home team to play at 11 a.m. Why, why is that? Well, your fans are slowly matriculating in. You're just trying to get into the flow of it. There's no real rhythm to a game early at 11 a.m. at home. It just doesn't feel like what a home game for you should feel like. Well, it's the cost of having it on ESPNU, Benjamin. 11 a.m. It's the worst. He's Suda Upadea <laughs> at Suda Upadea on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcasts. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. A few house cleaning items here before we go to the Modern Woodman mailbag to answer your Ole Miss questions. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? 
That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of the profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Score big points with your kids by signing them up for Oxford Park Commission Youth Basketball. Registration is now open for leagues serving ages 5 to 15. The cost to play is just $50 per child, and there are discounts available for families with multiple players. The deadline to sign up is October 4th. Visit OxfordParkCommission.com. That's OxfordParkCommission.com for more details or to sign up. It's mailbag time. Mail time. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. It's mailbag time here on Talk of Champions. The mailbag brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woman representative. Real quick before we get going here, let me tell you about my bookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL and college football, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where you should play too. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. All you've got to do is use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. That's promo code TOC. Visit mybookie.ag today. Do it. Go. Go make money. Because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. The first question comes from Jonathan Denton. At the Notorious John, do you think Matt Luke is restricting what Rich Rodriguez calls on offense? Not at all. This is Rich Rod's offense. He has full autonomy to do what he wants to do. Um, I just think that Rich Rod is trying to play to his strengths, which is a crowded Ole Miss running back backfield and a quarterback that is still feeling his way around and limiting his pass attempts. The predictability of the offense is what's concerned me the most. But I don't think Matt Luke in any way is restricting Rich Rod. Do you, Sudo? No, Ben. And I, I would be very intrigued to hear that conversation go down. <laughs> Could yeah. you imagine Matt Luke going to Matt? Going to Rich Rodriguez and telling him, you know, how to run his offense, that would be, yeah, that would not go well, I don't think. I don't think the personalities would let that happen. Matt Luke wants it to be his offense. He wants it to right. be Mike McIntyre's defense. He wants to be the grand overseer of the Ole Miss football program. So, no, I don't think Matt Luke has really anything to do. And I respect Matt Luke for that so much. I can't say I it do. enough. I know I yeah. say it all the time. I respect him for that. No matter what his legacy at Ole Miss is, I will remember him for that. In that hiring process, he was going for what was in the best interest of Ole Miss. Jared Duke on the podcast on Tuesday, he doesn't have much of an ego, if an ego at all. He just wants Ole Miss to be good. So, yeah, I respect him for that. Whether it works or not remains to be seen. But the move itself, it was with the best interest of Ole Miss in mind, and that is certainly commendable. Kyle Matkins at Landscape Kyle. This is perfect for Sudo. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Fame quarterback? Of course he is. Is that even why is it up for debate? I've been seeing this. Listen, I know that the stats 
don't tell the full story. So people look at it as, you know, 116 and 116 career record. And I think he's thrown maybe just a hundred and something more touchdowns and interceptions. And people look at the Giants in between the Super Bowls, how bad they were. And they want to put the blame on Eli for that, but you can't. The way he was treated after that second Super Bowl, the way they refused to address the offensive line concerns, how depleted his receiving cores have been, the defense, whether they've been bad. I mean, there's been so many things that have factored into those stats the way they they appear and people want to look at that and say well he hasn't sustained success over a long period of time he hasn't been at the top of the league and in passing categories consistently so he's not a hall of famer that's all bs to me this guy won you two super bowls he wasn't just he didn't just win the two super bowls but he was a two-time super bowl mvp he was the mvp of the actual game he beat tom brady twice what do you want that is a hall of fame resume the whole argument against eli manning is that his career record is 500. He only went to the playoffs six out of 16 seasons, something like that. Joe Namath and Sonny Jurgensen are the only other modern quarterbacks that were inducted without a winning record, but that doesn't matter. Eli won when it mattered most, and there are far more decorated players than the NFL Hall of Fame, sure, but there's also, if you look at resumes, those in the Hall that you could argue are less qualified than Eli. And this is not a homerism thing. By the criteria of the NFL Hall of Fame, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. He's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. He spoiled the perfect season of the Patriots. He's probably not first ballot Hall of Fame, but he is a Hall of Famer. If you put Joe Namath in and you put Sonny Jurgensen in, Eli Manning is the exact same resume. Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. Easily. I mean, it's not. to me, it's not up for debate, but... Whatever, people want to give opinions and, and, and do debates, and that's fine. You guys can debate it all you want. When it's all said and done, the guy's going to be in Canton, so whatever. That's a trigger for you, apparently. Ben, it's been hard. Just seeing the way people are talking about it. I mean, everybody in New York is very appreciative, despite the, hey, star Daniel Jones, you know, we're ready to move on from Eli. Despite that talk, everyone has been respectful and grateful for the two Super Bowls he brought to that city and just – rejuvenating that franchise. But there's other people that they're talking a lot of crap. And to me, it's really hard to see just the way that he's being, I mean, he's being benched essentially. He's not going out on his own terms after everything he's done for that franchise. He's never spoken out. He's never talked bad about anybody. He's always been the ultimate professional. And that franchise has screwed him over season after season after season uh, and just driven it to the point that his career record has taken a big shot. People don't view him as this elite quarterback that he that he once was. I mean, they, they pretty much ruined him, and I, I just hate to see that. It's, it's hard to see your heroes fall and not go out on their own accord. If Eli didn't play in New York and won two Super Bowls, same resume, Super Bowl MVP, in New York you're under a certain microscope, everything is overly dissected, I'm not sure that this is even a discussion. I agree. I mean, if, if Eli would have won two Super Bowls for the Detroit Lions, are you kidding me? Everybody would be saying, oh, yeah. wow, Eli Manning, first ballot. They'd probably say first ballot at that point. Because it's the Lions. Exactly. If or the won, Dolphins. If he won two Super know, Bowls but, for the Saints. Oh, yeah, easily. Brandon Medius at Bam Medius. Is Jalen Jones' knee okay? He was beat on a go-route badly. Oh, and can I sign up for hideout? I mean, wideout. Uh, I get it. Yeah, he's healthy enough to play. It's just like with Ken Webster and other guys who suffered season-ending injuries. You don't know when he's going to become himself again, if that ever does happen. It was a serious knee injury. Don't expect the same Jalen Jones that you saw before the injury. 
what he ends up getting to as far as his health and his playing ability, we don't know yet. So, yes, there are going to be times where he gets beat badly, but he's still a good player. He still helps you significantly. But whether or not he gets back to being Jalen Jones, we don't know that answer. But we do know that Ole Miss is better with Jalen Jones than without him. And right now, he is healthy. He's completely healthy from the knee. But those knee injuries, they take a lot out of you. But, yes, he's healthy enough. Jared Robinson, why does Matt Corral not run the ball more? Did he not run much last week because of the opponent? And they did not want to risk injury in that game. I think the second part of that, the answer, no. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think it goes back to awareness and playing time and needing to get more reps and um, see the action in front of him. Decision-making, I think, has been the biggest holdback for Matt Corral so far. I don't think it has anything to do with strategically not running him. I think he's just not making the right decisions enough. And until he gets more comfortable in what he's seen and knowing when to pull and run, um, you're going to continue to see those times where you wonder why he didn't pull it, why he didn't go get more yards rather than feeding it to one of his running backs right up the middle to get tackled for no gain or maybe a loss of one or two. Yeah. Also, like, I agree. I mean, I know he can move around with the speed. I like him rolling around in the pocket. I think it helps him uh, calm down and, and go through his progressions a little better. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to see him just becoming this quarterback that's constantly running because you want him to stay healthy. And that's where you start getting into tricky situations where you're, he's starting to take hits, and you don't want to see that. But Matt Corral's going to have to start running more. That is a weapon that he has in his toolbox. He has to use it. No doubt, no doubt. I liken it back to the way Chad Kelly used to handle business. I mean, you know, I think – like 500 rushing yards, and I forgot how many rushing touchdowns he had that last season. But to that extent, I'm okay with. I don't know about Matt Corral running too much. I worry about his health, I guess. I think Matt Corral not running so far, nothing to do with philosophy or scheme, so much as he's not quick right now with his decision-making. That gets better with time. He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. So there are going to be more Matt Corral questions, I'm sure, and we'll get to those in just a little bit. Jody Kitchens at jkitchens1810. Do you think we see John Rice Plumley on the field this season? Absolutely. There are four games that freshmen are allowed to play before they get redshirted. I think you're going to see both John Rice Plumley and Grant Tisdale. Selaw was supposed to be that first opportunity, but Ole Miss didn't run away from that team like they should have. So John Rice Plumley and Grant Tisdale, they stayed on the sidelines. I don't know which one of those two will be the first one up. I would assume it'd be Grant Tisdale. Right now, I think he's the number two quarterback but John Rice Plumley, in my estimation and I've said this multiple times on this podcast I believe he was handpicked by Rich Rod that's the guy he wants for this offense and um, they're going to see what they have in him at some point this year whatever that reason might be just New to get him Mexico State what seems like the most yeah. you know realistic which is kind of at the end of the season but here's the question if they're getting boat raced by Alabama do you throw one of those kids in there I, I don't think you can I don't think so. I think you just that's pretty much you're showing that you're giving up at that point. So, you, and you couldn't do that to Matt. I think you you leave him out there unless it's just like seventy two nothing in the fourth quarter. At that point, maybe you say, okay, let's put Matt on the sidelines and let's give another one of these guys a shot to get some experience. But yeah, I don't think you can you can just take Matt out because you're getting boat raised. Let Matt stay in and take his lumps and keep going. I don't think you could throw yeah. one of those kids in there against that firing <laughs> squad. That just That'd be a little bit too much. Marcus D. Ross, at Ross 1 Marcus, do we need to totally disregard class rankings? Based on rankings, Ole Miss is more talented, right? So that means that coaching is the issue. Heard the same talent deficiency talk when Freeze arrived and he hit the ground running. I hear a lot of talk about Ole Miss not having enough talent is the issue. Yet since 2016, Ole Miss's 247 composite rankings have been better than Memphis, Cal, and Southeastern Louisiana. 
We lost to Memphis, struggled with Southeastern Louisiana, and hearing Cal's more talented. It's more nuanced than well, that. Yeah, Fuck. I mean, it, it depends on the positions you recruit. You can have a, two five-star quarterbacks, and the rest of your team could be trash, and your rankings could be good. We'll get right back to this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Ole Miss football is back at home, and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks Tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Grove Sharks still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season. They can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations, among many different items. Visit Grove Sharks at GroveSharks.com or like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks Tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's 662-816-3493. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. It's all subjective anyway. Everyone in this game knows what a five-star and four-star prospect looks like. There's a general consensus about who the top 150 are. Now, on 247, prospect A might be ranked fifth. Rivals, that prospect might be ranked second or eighth or 10th, 11th. But everyone knows who the top 150 players in the country are. But if you're an Ole Miss and not an Alabama that's signing 20 to 25, four or five-star prospects every single class, you have to make your hay with your own self-evaluations. Diving into the pool of three stars, knowing which ones will hit or projecting forward which ones will hit and being right more often than you're wrong so if Ole Miss does as it's done for years now signs six four to five star players every class that's a top 20 class that's a top 15 class Ole Miss last year was ranked 22nd they had one five star that was Jerry Ely. class rankings are completely propped up by four stars and five stars but it's the rest of the class those three stars that make up the majority of your class that's where you're building your roster did you hit did you miss Self-evaluation, the three-star players, a Strontzy Seastrunk, a Ja'Cory Hawkins, those players. Hugh Freeze did a good job of identifying players that were low-ranked and immediately came in and contributed. Evan Ingram's the obvious guy. He was a three-star prospect. He was a two-star going to Ole Miss camp. They offered him. His only other big offer at that point was South Alabama. He started day one at tight end for Ole Miss. He's now one of the best tight ends in the NFL. That's where, if you're looking at Ole Miss's classes, yes, the top end, it looks good, the stars are pretty, but anybody can make those decisions. It's how you're filling out the rest of your class if you're Ole Miss, because you're not Alabama, you're not Georgia, you're not going to be signing all four stars and five stars. You have to be the program that is better at evaluations than everyone else. Hugh Freeze and that recruiting staff are really good at mining the territory of the three-star prospect and finding guys that can contribute immediately early. 
later on, he went star chasing. And he that did. resulted in talent deficiencies on his roster. Missing out on a lot of guys that could have helped him. Jannard Avery wanted to come to Ole Miss, ends up at Memphis, now starting for the Browns. There are a number of guys like that that Hugh Freeze missed out on because the philosophy changed. So you're starting to see Matt Luke get back to that as far as evaluations for three stars. Can you dismiss class rankings? Of course you can. Everyone knows what a good five-star, four-star player looks like. What are they doing with the rest of the class? Because that's where good teams are built if you're an Ole Miss and you're not an Alabama or Georgia that can just fill out your 25-man class with four- and five-star players. That's the biggest thing. I mean, you look at the – you mentioned the last two years of Hugh Freeze putting stock into guys that Ole Miss probably wasn't going to get, especially on defense. That's where those deficiencies started coming in. I mean, you got you know, a guy like Jalen Jones and Deontay Anderson and all these guys every now and then, but you're absolutely right. You know, whenever it came down to battling for um, who was that linebacker out of Arizona, one of the community colleges that Ole Miss lost him to like Utah or something. I mean, you know, guys like that that maybe you should have focused on a little bit more, you didn't. That's why Memphis has been good because Norvell doesn't have the resources that the schools have. So he has to actually find like guys that he's like, that kid's going to be good. He's just a good football player. I know he doesn't have great rankings, but he's a good football player. And he and his staff have been able to do that. It's that simple. How you mine for talent in that three-star pool, that's where your classes are made or broken. In the last few years of Hugh Freeze, they were broken completely. And it's not just Jannard Avery. It's like going all in on Leo Lewis with no backup plan and ending up with Sean Curtis. Daryl Henderson. Everyone wondered when Ole Miss was going to get a bell cow running back. Well, Daryl Henderson would have walked here. Ended up at Memphis, now he's playing for the Rams. So can you dismiss class rankings? Yes. Look at the back end of those classes. Print out the sheet, mark out all the four and five stars, and start looking at the three stars who hit. That's self-evaluation. That's your own evaluations. And if those aren't hitting, that's where the roster becomes iffy if you're Ole Miss. Darby McCraney, are there any young D-backs waiting their turn that you're excited about? There are a few, actually. DeAndre Prince, I think, is going to be a really good player in time. He's a true freshman. It's going to take him a little bit to get going. Ja'Cory Hawkins, like him. A.J. Finley. Uh, I like Jay Stanley. There are a number of guys that I think have tremendous upside. Don't need them to play right now. But when it's their turn, any number of those guys stepping up and being really productive players. Dan Rogers at Dan underscore Rogers 234. How much stock are you putting into Kellen Moore and Dak? I always overreact, so I'm all in. I'm all in. I've been <laughs> calling for this for years. The Cowboys had been running as late as last year, actually, an offense that belonged in 2006. They had not adapted to the new age NFL as far as offensive game planning. A lot of 10 personnel, and now you're seeing that with the Cowboys. And it helps with Dak. That's the offense that Dak's used to running. With Dan Mullen, he ran the ball when he needed to or when it was schemed to get a first down on third and two, not just handing it off to Zeke right up the middle, getting stuffed. Now there's a threat that Dak could pull it and run. They protected him too much his first three years. What is he really, really good at? Running and throwing on the run, and you're seeing that. But he's got a great offensive line. Travis Frederick's back. They're protecting him, giving him time to see the whole field, and it's opened up the rest of his game. It's crazy how this works. When you put more weapons on the field, I'm talking about with personnel, crazy what happens when a Devin Smith beats somebody one-on-one and Dak can throw it to him deep. Crazy how that happens. Rather than having two guys out on a route, you have four now, sometimes five. You buying Dak and Kellen in the Cowboys? I am. I love Kellen more um, at, at what he's just been able to do early in the season. With the Just the first game, watching the way Dallas played against our defense. Granted, the Giants' defense is complete trash 
Uh, just the way they played was, yeah, absolutely amazing. I like Kellen Moore as a QB. I'm glad he's uh, an even better coach, it appears. I mean, I'm, that's, that's exciting you guys landed him. I'm still not fully sold on Dak, but we'll see. I'm sold on Dak with Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. Me too. Those two together, yes. Still only two games. Maybe pump the brakes a little bit right now, but yeah. Dave, at Gunboat Dave, how exhausting is it to cover the Rebs? At least I can walk away from bad football, but how do y'all do it? I enjoy my job. I like my job a lot. I don't take it all that personally. But with you guys, it's much more personal. I live in it every single day. It's my job. I just try to do the best job I can as objectively as I possibly can. And I don't take Ole Miss home with me. I have a life outside of this. So do you take your job home with you? Yeah, it can be tough. Don't let anybody in the media fool you. Just as it's better for y'all when Ole Miss wins, it's better for media types too when Ole Miss wins. Business is booming when Ole Miss wins. Now, controversy sells too, but to a point, when things are good, it's good for everybody. So everybody wants to see Ole Miss go win games for no other reason than to make our lives easier. When I'm done recording a podcast or when I'm done covering a practice or covering a game, I'm done with it. I'm past it. You guys, y'all have to live with it every single day. You have to go to church and listen to your Mississippi State friends talk shit to you. I get that. I don't have to deal with that. Now, when I'm going and coaching my daughter's soccer team, I got to answer Ole Miss questions for an hour and a half. Dad X comes up. So how are we looking this week? Dad Y comes up. So uh, Ben, what do you think about Matt Corral? That gets annoying, but it's part of the job and I enjoy it. Wife's happy. Kids are happy. I enjoy my job. I think we're we're luckier than uh, than most people in that regard. I mean, I know the fan side of it dies off because it becomes work. And sometimes, you know, I'll come home after a long day and there's a really big game on and I, I'm kind of done with it. I'm like, oh, I should watch that. I should know what happens, but I don't want to, which I kind of miss just being a fan sometimes and just being able to enjoy every single game and, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, I'd rather be doing this than crunching numbers at a desk, man. So, yeah. My whole family's in the restaurant business. I'm good. I I like what I do. Second one from Dave at Gunboat Dave. Also, I'm going to see the Braves Friday. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. That's so much fun going to SunTrust Park. Got any season tidbits to impress some friends? (sighs) The Braves could have three lineup regulars hit 40 home runs. And I think that would make them the first Braves team since late 90s, early 2000s to have that. Three guys hit 40 home runs. Josh Donaldson, Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman. But one interesting stat I saw today, over the last 40 years, only one pitcher has outperformed his advanced metrics more so than Julio Tehran. It's easy when you're an old school person to look at ERA and say, wow, Julio's been good. His FIP has been in the fives. And FIP means fielding independent pitching. The things that a pitcher can control. And according to those metrics, Julio hasn't been that good. And yet the results continue to show. His ERA-FIP differential is minus .58. It's the second highest among 367 pitchers with 1,000-plus innings. That's insane. That'll impress your friends. But enjoy SunTrust Park. It's such a great park. It's exactly what they needed. The battery is a ton of fun. Get there early. Enjoy the battery. Then, if you can, get into the Delta Sky Club because that is just unbelievable. The buffet and uh, hanging out, free drinks, all of that included, it's, it's the best. Me and my brother had a... Hell of a time for our birthday in August. John Stone at John Stone Collin. What's the solution to keep 3,000 out of roughly 24,000 students in the stands for a whole football game? Make the game at night. (laughs) 
don't confiscate their alcohol. I don't know if you can fully enforce that. I was going to say, don't promise whatever they promise with those party decks and, and put up tents. I didn't think that was going to be that big of a deal. When I saw it on Twitter originally, I was like, that's kind of sad for Ole Miss, right? But I didn't think it was going to make that big of a difference for students to show up to games having those decks. But turns like I spoke to some of my buddies who still go to Ole Miss, whether they're grad school or they're, you know, finishing up, taking some victory laps. And they were like genuinely pissed off about that. Well, Keith Carter was on this podcast last week. You can go check that out. Just simply search Talk of Champions in SoundCloud, iTunes. Listen to that interview. We talked extensively about the party decks. What went into that, the fire hazard and everything, they're going to revisit it. But at least they tried a temporary solution. Didn't look great, but didn't look as bad as I thought it was going to look. I do appreciate that they're trying to do things to help the students, but that's a first step. And what you can do to help them includes fighting tooth and nail to try to get some games at night. Again, Ole Miss has little or no control over whether or not those games are at night. But you want to keep butts in the seats. That's how you do it. And don't take away their beer. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Yeah. There's always going to be somebody who's going to be complaining about that. Because so. then you stop taking away their alcohol, their whiskey, their beer, and some guy's going to abuse that and start taking key bumps in the student section. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. You, you give an inch, you're definitely – they're going to start taking a mile. You know how it is. You were a student. Yeah. I wasn't taking Kids key bumps in the student in section. The, no, 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 no. I, I didn't say that. But you know how that goes. We, I think we all knew someone that would do that. So Yes. We're going to go right back to Suda Upadea for this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. But if I just could have about two minutes of your time, nothing more than that, to tell you about the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, and Cheney's Pharmacy, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear, the Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? Custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. At Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. When will Ole Miss not have to sweat out games against FCS teams again? I think next year. Yeah. They'll return pretty much everybody offensively, defensively, for the most part, too. 
assuming that That's this fair. year just doesn't completely tank. Cody Wiley, at Cody, I'm not going to even attempt that. Why haven't the students made touchdown showers a thing yet? Oh, my God, that's a great idea. Well, again, don't take away their beer. <laughs> I wish there was a way to annex the student section the way they've done right field. I know it's not possible because the Vought is literally sitting in the middle of campus. But um, if there was some, some sort of way to do that, that would be pretty cool. That's a great idea. It should happen. And now that there are beer sales in the stadium, make it happen. Sort of happened in the past, though, right? Like, I, I remember when it was in the south end zone, I used to see cups flying all the time after big touchdowns. And when Jalen Walton scored that touchdown against Alabama, I remember the video of, of like, cups flying and people, you know, throwing their drinks in the air. It obviously wasn't one big motion or whatever you want to call it like it is in right field, but that seems to be their general reaction when big things happen. I don't see why that couldn't be a thing. That has to be a thing. Now that beer sales are going to happen... Make it happen. But don't take away their beer and watch it grow organically. Maybe encourage the fans to do that. Why not? And they pretty much annex the students into that north end zone. Just let them live in the north end zone and do their own thing. And only police them when it's an egregious act. Why do students love going to right field? They get to chill out in the shade, put up tents, hang out, drink beer, have fun. Make that same atmosphere. I think that's what Keith Carter and company are trying to do. That's what he said on this podcast. We're trying to create that or recreate that in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, bring it over from Swayze Field. It's easier said than done, but more steps that you take towards that, the better. What if they had just taken, instead of bowling it or like putting the stadium together, right? What if they had just taken out the stands and just built a giant mound, like a giant grassy mound, kind of like certain stadiums. I think, I think Virginia maybe has that. In college football, you think that would have worked? And just let them put up their tents and build a little bit of a stone wall like you have in Swayze Field? Yeah. Huh. That might have worked. It is what it is. Forrest Crumbie <laughs> at Forrest Crumbie. Ole Miss has no doubt had a lot of meaningful games, but for the sake of the program fan base, is this the most important to get back on track? I think that's a really good point. Yes. Critical as far as bringing your fans back, showing that you can compete against teams that, and I'm not saying that they're as good as Cal because they're not but teams that you believe Ole Miss should be competing with and potentially beating. It is, and it's also critical because it, it is a game they can win. It's not an Alabama. It's not a Texas A&M. It's not an Auburn, LSU. It is a ranked opponent coming to your stadium that you actually have a shot at beating. I saw a video the other day where maybe on College Football Live or something where they were actually talking about the possibility of Ole Miss being able to overwhelm Cal. And I think it's possible their offense isn't that impressive. Like if this defense can step up at home and take care of business and let Corral and company do their thing, which is easier said than done. Cal's got a couple of players that are very, really impressive on that defense. But it, it is a game that it's not like in Alabama where you're just going into it and saying, there's no shot. You, you have a shot to win this game. Second one from Forrest Crumbie. Also, how much easier is it for the players to get motivated for a game against Cal versus getting motivated for C-Law. I feel like that was part of the problem this past Saturday. Like I said earlier, I talked to a number of different people involved with the program, and yes, self-motivation, that's something this team is still struggling with, don't know how to do yet, and that did play a part against C-Law. But let's not dismiss the poor play against C-Law and chalk it all up to that. There were other schematic and problematic things that happened that were not a result of motivation so much as lack of execution, Your offensive line gave up 11 tackles for loss, including three sacks. That's not motivation. That's just getting your ass kicked. Kirk Kelly at Old Dinky. What a ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, 
Did you vote Zach Morris for governor? It makes all the sense in the world. Now, I think the idea is horrible. I hate the idea of rebooting Saved by the Bell. Just let that die. Let the office die. Don't reboot shows that were perfect the way they are. Now, Zach Morris has a history of being an asshole, but he's the perfect kind of politician. He's a schemer. He can turn on fake. He knows how to manipulate the system. You know he gerrymandered all kinds of districts to become governor. No doubt, Zach Morris is governor. It makes all the sense in the world. That's who he is. That's what he was. No, I didn't vote for him, but it doesn't matter whether or not you voted for him. Zach Morris was going to get those votes because that's who Zach Morris is. At Dave underscore Elmore, are you interested at all in a Game of Thrones prequel series? Hell no. It depends on who makes it, but I'm going to be very, very, very like snobby about it. It has to be perfect or I'm going to be like, this is trash. I never want to see this. I'm just waiting for the books. Probably going to be waiting until I die, but I'm waiting until they finish. (laughs) That's all I want. Bill McKeithen at Bill McKee, your opinion on why the second half game plan was so vanilla against Selah as Corral not running more is decision or Rich Rodriguez. We covered that already, but I think the second half was vanilla because they were trying to run the clock out. (laughs) Just try to get out of there with a win. That's the only goal against Selah. Just win the game. There are no extra credit points for beating the team in an impressive way. Just win the game. And they could tell pretty early that Ole Miss just didn't have it from a motivation standpoint and an execution standpoint. Second half, let's just beat them with talent. It looked like it was about to be more of a game than Ole Miss fans or Ole Miss could ever have predicted or wanted. But Ole Miss got out of there with the overall directive, and that's to get a win. The great philanderer. That's not something to be <laughs> bragging about. How much what is, this... is up with you, bro? <laughs> oh, man. How much is the defensive lapse from week two to week three due to the missing of Momo? I think it's significant. And they're going to get better without him. They have to. At least it was Selah. At least you weren't playing Alabama as the first game after losing Momo. It would have been way worse. You need to have these games to get he your feet He was my defensive here. impact guy for this year. so And I think most people would say he was. So, yeah, I mean, he was your leader. Also from the great philanderer, what a terrible thing to brag about. <laughs> is Selah actually that much better than Arkansas? Arkansas is bad, but I will say, though, like, I, you know, I have to cover Arkansas as well. And Nick Starkle, if they would have played Nick Starkle that entire game, Ole Miss Arkansas would have been much closer than it was for the entire game. They probably lose that game. Yeah. The way they played Colorado State, man, that, that offense was finally humming. They were down. I mean, they faced a lot of adversity in that game. And in the end, they ran away with it, but. Nick Starkle just brought a whole nother spark to that offense that Ben Hicks didn't. And we saw it in that second half. It was really late in the game. And I think that's where Chad Morris figured out that Starkle was the answer, not Hicks. But yeah, Ole Miss got lucky there. It took them some time to figure out that Starkle was the starter. Scott Pilot at Scott Pilot. If you could pick one quarterback, I know exactly where Sudu's going so he can answer first because we're going to agree. If you could pick one quarterback of the past from Ole Miss to run Rich Rod's offense, who would it be not knocking Corral just for curiosity's sake? Who do you think I'm going to say? Chad Kelly. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know who else would be great? Brent Schaefer. Brent Schaefer as well. But also Jeremiah Masoli. Oh my God, yeah. Jeremiah Masoli saved that team from doing what it did the next year. They would have won two games without him. Jeremiah Masoli, one of the most unsung heroes in Ole Miss football history, if you want to call him that. Or you could call him the life preserver that saved Houston Nutt. That's what I was going to say. I was like, people kind of look at his time at Ole Miss as that one year he needed for that reclamation or whatever. But as an Ole Miss guy, like I'm, I'm glad we had Jeremiah Masoli that year because you got four games out of him. 
And you're right. It would have been awful without him. I mean, you still lost to Jacksonville State, but that was not Masoli's fault. He kept you in that game. God, they lost to Jacksonville State. I was standing in the end zone when that happened. I saw Tig go in. <sighs> D. Russell, 1980, at D. Russell, 1980. Will we see Chad Kelly get a shot somewhere with all the recent quarterback injuries in the NFL? Certainly would appear so. On Wednesday, Ian Rappaport of NFL.com reported that the Colts released Chad Kelly, waived him. They paid Brian Hoyer $9 million guaranteed to back up Jacoby Brissett, brought him in before the first game after he was let go by the Patriots. So now Chad can go anywhere he wants. And you would assume after all of his preseason production, that some team will take the chance to see if that preseason production can translate into regular season production. And I've been on record saying I think Chad Kelly's an NFL quarterback. I believe he can do it. He just needs an opportunity. He also needs to get out of his own way. But if he does, and if a team gives him a shot, I think he can pay off big time. He's a lottery ticket. Think about the New York Jets. They couldn't use Chad Kelly. The Steelers taking a chance if Mason Rudolph doesn't work out. The Saints, they got Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater. Chad Kelly's going to latch on somewhere, and at some point, he's going to get a shot. It, it would be cool to see Chad somewhere. I'd love to see him in New Orleans, or you know, there's a, there's a variety of spots for him. And you, well, you look at like Gardner Minshew and, and Luke Falk playing, you're just like, come on, man! Like Chad Kelly should be playing somewhere as well. Jeremy Wright at Glass Faced Scum. <laughs> Jeremy, you brought it this time. You're on a small plane with Steve Robertson, Dan Wolken, Barney Farrar, and Hugh Freeze for a month, going around in circles. You have one bottle of bourbon of your choice. You have to keep everyone alive, and you get $250,000. I don't know what the money has to do with anything. What can you spend on a plane? What bottle do you choose, and how do you keep everyone alive? Well, to the last question, I don't. I give Barney everything. I would say Barney and I are best friends on that flight. We're sipping our Buffalo Trace together. Yes. We're getting drunk off Evan Williams and having a blast. Everyone else, they can fend for themselves. Don't care. I could give yeah, two craps about any other people on that plane. Barney, Barney's the boy. Barney's that guy. Me and Barney would be living that life. Lock Steve and Dan and Hugh in the back. Screw them. They'd put them in the bathroom or something, you know? Let them figure stuff out. Yeah, whatever. Me and Barney would be kicking it. Be having a great time. Dakota Wills at DWills56. Is Rich Rod going to correct the run-run-pass offensive strategy? He sure as hell better. Is that, is that basically your tweet? Yeah. That's what you saw. But it wasn't just Selah. You saw it some against Memphis. You were there. You saw it. You saw it in the yeah. next game against Arkansas. I think Nate Gabler, who was the co-host on Tuesday, brought up a great stat. Against Memphis, they ran the ball in first down over 70% of the time. When they did pass it, Matt Corral was three for five, and he averaged over seven yards per completion. So they need to change that up. Predictability of offense is the biggest problem for this offense right now. I would agree with that. I texted you. I mean, I think it was at the maybe the Arkansas game. I said, Ben, is it Rich Rod's play calling, or is it – that Corral's not experienced enough, and you were like, Rich Rod definitely gets some of the blame, and that's what I was trying to figure out because that's how it appears when you're watching it from afar. It's just like, it just seems like, why are you doing that, <laughs> Rod? Like, you're, you're supposed to be an offensive innovator. Like, why are you very predictable thing? At Peter O'Conrad, why hasn't Ole Miss dialed up a running back screen since 2010? You've got a stable of running backs. Jerrion Ely, who would seem to be perfect for the screen game. I don't know. I love that part of offense. Ole Miss should be a good screening team, and they're not. Maybe that has they to do should. with not trusting your offensive line to be able to get out there and make those blocks. But that's for this year. Previous years, I don't know. You know, when Walton, Jalen Walton was here, they ran some screens, right? Like, I feel like yeah. Walton busted off for like some 60 yarders or something. Yeah, well, obviously, um, Pete's just being facetious, but yeah. I think with Ely, absolutely. You could definitely use him in that regard. I hate to keep harping on Memphis. This is the team I cover the most, and Norvell, like, is a good offensive line, but. 
I look at the way they use their running backs and they sometimes don't even like, they don't, they don't really differentiate certain guys from receiver or running back. We just kind of call them athletes or whatever. Like it's amazing how well they can use that. I mean, last week they had a guy, uh, Kylan Watkins just come out of the backfield totally unnoticed for a wide open touchdown. And you feel like you got a guy like Ely, maybe, you know, you're at the 20 yard line, 30 yard line. You can really use him in those situations. Just wheel him out and get him the ball. It seems very simple. Sudo's coming right back, I promise. I need 30 seconds, just 30, so you could hear from BNA Bank, which powers Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Malcolm McBee at Shake in the Delta. When are, quote, we going to finally learn to feed the rock more than a handful of times a season to open field destroyer Octavius Cooley? A man after my own heart is Malcolm McBee. Octavius is hurt. That's why he hadn't played a lot <laughs> the last couple of weeks. But give my man the ball. Feed Cooley. Octavius Cooley. I will die on that hill. I agree with you. Man, Arkansas game. I was so happy for Ben. When Cooley got that first catch, First person I thought of was Ben Garrett. I texted him, Benjamin, there's your boy. And he said, there he is. And he cried. Yep, a little bit. Shed a little bit of a tear. I will say it was hilarious to look at Twitter when Octavius Cooley called a pass. I didn't know that y'all caught on to my Octavius Cooley obsession until I looked at my mentions and I saw all the people commenting. I thought of you, Ben. <laughs> Octavius Cooley, we all celebrated together. And then he fumbled. <laughs> then he fumbled the ball. And then he fumbled. Uh, it worked out. Yeah. Whatever. It wasn't his fault. That play should have been blown dead. John Chisholm. At Chisholm underscore John, why on earth would you think, barring injury, that by the end of the year, Matt Corral won't be Ole Miss's starting quarterback? John, there is a marketable difference in saying that Matt Corral won't finish the year as Ole Miss's starting quarterback and that I'm not convinced he's going to be the starter at the end of the year. And if you can't understand the subtlety of that difference, this is a dumb conversation to have. If I was a bet man, Matt Corral is going to start every single game. But there are some reasons to think that maybe, just maybe, Ole Miss takes a shot with John Rice Plumlee, Grant Tisdale to see what they have. So let's play the scenario game. Matt Corral continues to struggle with decision-making, missing some throws. Maybe Rich Rod gets frustrated, gets desperate because Ole Miss is having a really bad year, trying to find any semblance of hope for the future, saving jobs, whatever you want to call it. You don't think there's a chance, at least a chance, that Rich Rodriguez would take his hand-picked quarterback in John Rice Plumley and try him out. And it has nothing to do necessarily with Matt Corral. If I were a betting man, Matt Corral starts every single game. I never said... He's not going to be the starter by the end of the year. I never predicted that. I said, I'm not convinced he's the starter at the end of the year, which is more than fair. He hadn't set the world on fire. He's also not been bad. No one said he was bad. I actually like a lot of what I'm seeing from Matt Corral. But if the season were to turn, you don't think there's a chance? Desperate people do desperate things. And if Ole Miss hits a tough stretch and there's some pressure that comes down on these coaches, who's to say they don't take some chances? That's all. I don't like when my words get twisted around. I'm not trying to be a take machine. That's not who I am. I'm paid to give my opinion on Ole Miss sports on this podcast. So I do. And you don't have to agree with it. I gladly admit when I'm wrong. I love to be wrong. Because when I'm wrong, that usually means something good happened with Ole Miss. And like I said earlier, don't let anyone fool you in the media, no matter what they say. Business is better when Ole Miss is winning. This is not a personal thing. Why some take it so personally, I'll never know. Another one from John. 
Do you still think Jason Hayward is better than an average baseball player? If so, there's really no need to answer question one. Okay, let's look at it this way. This is very simple. Math does not lie. No matter your personal feelings toward anything, the numbers are what they are. Now, there are some flaws in war, but even if you accept that as fact, that there are flaws with war, Jason Hayward has four times been a five-win player since 2010. According to Fangraphs, a five-to-six-win player is a superstar. Now, the last three years, he's been no better than a two-win player. He's on pace to finish this year just above two war. That's a solid starter, an average player. So both things can be true. That he did have superstar production for four years, and that he's also been a disappointment in other years. That's the confounding conundrum that is Jason Hayward. But forgive me if I put more stock in numbers than I do your personal opinion on something. Because numbers don't lie. Just as my opinion on something, I dismiss it if the numbers bear it out differently. You hold some really strange frustrations with me, apparently. (laughs) You have brought that up a hundred different times at this point. You don't like him. Cool. I'm sorry that you take it so personally that somebody thinks that Jason Hayward was, and he was, a superstar player. Four times, actually. It's not that complicated. Last one, Dan Rogers at Dan underscore Rogers 234. Chances Matt Corral has over 200 passing yards and two touchdowns against Cal. Oh, man, Ben, if the offensive line was better and we'd seen better decision-making from him, I'd say yes. But, dude, they got some, like, nasty guys on that defensive line, man. Their nose tackle is, is insane. I think he leads the team in sacks right now. They got a guy named Evan Weaver. Guess how many tackles he's got so far through three games? 32. 40. He's got 40 tackles, and he's got one forced fumble. The game against Washington, he led the team with, like, 16 tackles. They have some guys on the defensive end that, like, kind of worry me. Like, two really solid linebackers. I don't know about 200 yards. Like, I haven't seen enough from Matt. I know the Arkansas game is what it was, but um, let's see what he does in this game, and then we can maybe make predictions down the road. 200 yards, two touchdowns, uh, maybe too early to say that. give that to Matt. That defensive secondary for Cal is nasty. Their defense is just good. Their defense is really good. As they should be with Justin Wilcox. You're finally yep. seeing what this program is under Justin Wilcox, and it's pretty scary, that defense. I would go over with the passing yardage because if Ole Miss falls behind, for example, he's going to be throwing it more. So more opportunity. If that's the case, Ole Miss is going to lose because you don't want Matt Corral throwing a bunch against that secondary. But I'll go over 200. I'll go less than two touchdowns, so one touchdown. Okay. The question is, does he throw over under one and a half interceptions? Uh, I'll I'll say he throws at least one. Yeah. I think they're going to be safe. Like, I think once he throws that first pick, Rich Rod's going to be safe. Just don't be predictable. You can be safe and not predictable. Yeah. Bubble screens, throws to your running back, involving the tight ends, some misdirection. Yeah, give me all that. I want all of it. <laughs> He's Suda Upadea at Suda Upadea on Twitter. Works for Channel 5 in Memphis. Former Ole Miss Spirit staffer. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. Right for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Talk of Champions and iTunes, also available in SoundCloud. And wherever you get your podcast, if we're not there, let me know. I'll try to get it done for you. I promise. What are you working on right now, buddy? Well, Benjamin, um, I'm actually about to go on vacation here in the next week. So I am uh, fully getting set for vacation mode, going to the Big Apple. Pumped for that. But after that, the Grizzlies will start training camp. The media day preseason will start. So just kind of starting to shift a little bit towards basketball, not just football. And then Memphis Madness is coming up, which is going to be insane with Penny Hardaway's number one ranked recruiting class and fans coming to see that. So, yeah, man, just kind of transitioning into basketball now.
Speaking of basketball, Ole Miss basketball hosts an official visitor this weekend, Samson Rajinsev, originally from Russia. He currently stars for Hamilton Heights Christian Academy in Chattanooga, Tennessee, down to Ole Miss, Florida, Georgia Tech, Stanford, and Illinois. He'll visit Ole Miss first, and then he's going to take three straight visits, Florida, Georgia Tech, and Stanford in that order. And the reason for that is because his dad is flying in from Russia, and he wanted to be able to cram all of those visits in while his dad was in town, while his dad could go with him on those visits. It almost feels good about him. Ole Miss has him as a top priority, and he really likes Ole Miss. They only got one spot available for next year, but the numbers always work themselves out. Brian Tyree graduates. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The expectation right now around the program is that this is Devontae Shuler's last year, that he's going to want to go pursue a professional career, be it in the NBA, if he can get there, or overseas. But the general sentiment around the program right now is Devontae Shuler's entering his last year. But there are other guys to watch, too. We'll get more into that later on in the recruiting year. I expect them to sign two, at least, maybe three or four. It depends on the roster attrition. There was some last year, significant roster attrition. Kermit Davis made over the roster again, but the holdovers this time are dynamic, and this team has Sweet 16 aspirations, if not better. But, yeah, I called up with Samson yesterday. He's high on Ole Miss. He's looking for early playing time. And Ole Miss, interestingly, is recruiting him as a potential starter as a freshman. At least that's what they're telling him. And that's a good selling point for him. He's ranked currently by 247 Sports as the number 53 player nationally. And according to the 247 composite, which takes into account every ranking system across the interwebs, he's ranked 110 in the country. He's a 6'8 guard wing. And the 247 evaluation says he's got good size with NBA upside and a confident score with the ability to put up points from all three levels. So a big time target on campus. Almost won't be able to close the deal this weekend. He told me, did Samson, that he's going to take all his visits, but it won't take him long after he does take those visits to make his decision. But Ole Miss would love for him to become the first commitment for 2020 because remember, Sean Robinson reclassified. He was clear recently. All good news for Ole Miss basketball. Also, Square Jam is returning. I don't know if you guys saw the news yesterday, but Square Jam is coming back October 18th. It'll feature the Ole Miss men's and women's basketball teams. Festivities on October 18th start at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. ESPN's Jimmy Dykes will emcee the event. It's always a fun thing in Square Gym, so make sure you get out for that. Have fun in New York, buddy. It's one of my favorite places. Anything in particular you got planned? Um, well, I will be – so I, I'm getting there the Saturday Ole Miss is going to play Alabama, so I'll get there a few hours before. And my one of my really good friends is the vice president of the Ole Miss alumni group up there. And so he has convinced me and my girlfriend to come to uh, the Ole Miss bar and watch the Alabama game there, which – it seems like such a random thing. Like, I was watching a game at a bar, but it's a bar in New York, and I'm kind of intrigued. Like, I'm intrigued to see what that's like. I mean, he's, he's told me it gets pretty good. I know it's going to be against Alabama, so I don't know how many people are actually going to come watch that game there, but I'm excited about it. And then outside of that, just doing the normal New York stuff, seeing the normal sights. Well, have fun with it, and think of me. Take a picture while you're in New York, and let me know how it's going for you. Dude, you know I will. I'm, right. I'll take a lot of pictures when I'm in New York. Bring me something back. I got you, dude. I'll bring you a Giants jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something cheap, like bring me a Statue of Liberty keychain, make you go into one of those really terrible New York City souvenir shops. Oh, dude, yeah. I know the perfect one. Do you like shot glasses? This is my mother. My mother used to always want us to have a collection when we were younger, and yeah. she forced these collections on us. And for okay. some reason, oh, yeah. I bought one shot glass one time, and she started buying me shot glasses constantly. And finally, when I was older, I went, Mom, you were given a high school senior degenerate <laughs> shot glasses. And she, I've never really thought about it that way. Well, yeah. For your orange juice in the morning, Ben. You're lucky shot I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> I mean, my God. 
He's Suda Upadea. Have fun, buddy. I appreciate you. We'll do it again. Thank you, Benjamin.